0: So I'm Nate, as people said, Um, this quarter we've been going through a series entitled Let's Talk. We've looked at the importance of words and how they have a lot more, a lot of power in our lives. Power to love or power to hurt. Um, In the next two weeks, we're going to be going a little bit in a different direction. Um, And we're going to talk about conversation with God. Next week, Michael is going to be talking about how we hear from God um, and so tonight, I'm going to talk. I'm going to discuss how we talk to God. Um, so, Bible passers, you can come on down. So, if you need a Bible, just go ahead and raise your hand. Um, and if you don't own a Bible, just go ahead and keep that. We want you to have one of those. Um, so, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. And as they're doing that, um, prayer prayer is a pretty essential part of Christian life, wouldn't you say? Um, so much so that I think it would be pretty impossible to follow Jesus or have any kind of relationship with God without it. Think of any close relationship that you have, a significant other, friend, family member, coworker, any close relationship. Could you have ever gotten as close to them as you are now without ever communicating with them? No way, because we are communicating social beings. Um, it's it's the, our lifeblood. Talking is our lifeblood. Um, and I think the reason is because we were designed and created in the image of a God who himself is a social and communicating being. <clears throat> he designed us in his likeness to be in direct communication with him. If you look at the creation story in Genesis 1 through 3, you see that God communicated directly with Adam. God knew Adam personally and intimately and vice versa. In Genesis 3, God walks through the garden calling out for Adam. Now, Adam and Eve had just eaten the fruit, so they're hiding from him. But, but he does this. He, he calls out to, to Adam and, and walks through the garden as if that was a normal thing. Like on the daily, Adam and Eve are just walking with God, talking to him as they're, as they're walking through the garden. I think, I think that's what, how it was. So in order to grow in any relationship, we need to talk to people, right? So why would it be any different with God? To grow a strong relationship with God, we need to talk to him. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. But first, let's play a little video. Amen. Amen. Now, we all have different thoughts about prayer. And maybe some of you can identify with this kid where prayer is just one more thing that gets between you and your dinner, right? Or some of you might think that prayer—think uh, of prayer like I did as a kid, where God is almost like a year-round Santa Claus, right? That I only prayed to him to ask him for things that I wanted or needed. Maybe you, some of you understand that prayer is important, but you don't really know where to start with prayer. Maybe others, others of you have been praying for years, but are fe- feeling a little discouraged in it. Um, and other, others of you still have a rich prayer life with the Lord. Praise God. Um, but I think, I hope that all of you, if you're in, in any of those situations, that you can get something out of tonight's talk. Um, so as I was preparing for this message, um, I started thinking about different ways that people pray. For example, I've seen people who pray using very formal, eloquent language and addressing God with all his titles and accomplishments Like, oh, Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, creator of the world, I humbly beseech thee in thine ultimate glory. Right? You guys have heard that. Uh, Maybe not here. but And others kind of are on the opposite side of that, right? And they, they see God as their homie. Like, yo, G. Dizzle, what's good, my man? And, you know, I think God loves and celebrates the unique and personal ways that we relate to him. (laughs) And as I was talking through this with with my wife, Maggie, as I do with all my message ideas, um, she she brought up some really wise insight, like she usually does, which is why I talk through things with her. Um, She pointed out that the ways that we talk to God are directly correlated to the ways that we see God and relate to him. Does that make sense? So how, how we see God and relate to him has a direct impact on how we talk to him. So if we see God more as a distant judge and king, then we'll talk to him that way in a formal, impersonal way. And if we see God like he's our homie, then we're going to talk to him that way, way more informal and maybe even jokey. Now, I realize that there really needs to be some balance between those two ways that we relate with God. Because there can be a danger in only seeing one or two aspects of God. If I only see God as a distant judge and king, but ignore God as my friend, then I'll keep him at a distance in prayer and not invite him into my intimate thoughts. Or if I see God only as my buddy, but ignore him as my king and Lord, then I'll never humble myself before him in prayer or give him the glory that he deserves. If we are to grow in how we relate to and talk to God, then we need to acknowledge all of God's characteristics and the roles that he plays in our life and apply that to how we talk to him. Jesus had a really good understanding of who God is, right? Because he was God. And he gave us an awesome example of how to pray. Um, For his example, we will pull from his example, sorry, we'll pull some, some ways that we can see God and how that should impact the way we pray. So can you turn with me to Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And I'm going to have you guys stand, and we're going to read this together. I know that we don't do that very often here, but um, so we're going we're gonna to read out this prayer together. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. It's going to be on the screen too, so you can look up there. Ready? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Awesome, you guys can have a seat. I know there's probably some different translations out there. I feel like for that one, we always we memorize the New King, King James Version, right? Um, so let's take let's let's look at this passage and let's pull out some in, images of God that we see, and images that we should kind of relate to the way that we pray. So, some images of God or ways that we see God. First, um, as a loving father. Jesus starts off this prayer addressing God as father. Romans eight fourteen through 16 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God is our loving Father, our protector, and our comforter, our provider. This might mean different things to different people based on what you need or based on your experience with your, early, with your earthly father, what he was or what he wasn't to you. Um, like So Maggie and I different differentiate the way we relate to God as father. Like for Maggie, this means seeing God as her protector and comforter. She needs him to hug her and hold her tight, in a sense. For me, I need God's affirmation and approval. I need his, attaboy, that's my son. Um, So if we don't see God in this light, There's a danger of losing sight of the fact that we are adopted sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. We might start losing trust in his care and his love. We might not share our deep needs and concerns with him. So, to talk to God as father. um, For Mags, this means sharing her deep hurts and concerns with God. praying Praying that he would comfort her, hug her, and hold her tight. For me, this looks more like sharing my insecurities and my doubts and asking God to affirm me, show me his approval and delight in me. Um, And we can affirm our trust in him in these ways. So next, we see um, an image of God as the king and ruler. Verses say, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God is the rightful king and ruler of the universe. From him all life and goodness come. So first, we should give him the glory that he deserves. Psalms 145 says, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. So we should, we should glorify him because he deserves it. Second, we should humbly obey him and serve him in battle. Um, so he, he is doing a work In this world, right? It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. God is working in this world. And he invites us to fight with him in that spiritual battle. So if we don't um, see see God as king and ruler in our prayer, um, we're in danger um, of building up pride in our hearts. We might start taking credit for accomplishments and other things going on in our life. And we start considering our own desires and goals and feelings as more important than than what we know God's will is. We might take for granted his grace for us and lose sight of the fact that, um, that an unrepentant heart is in opposition to God. So we might lose sight in the fact that an unrepentant heart is in opposition to God if we don't see him as king and ruler. Um, We can also lose sight of his salvation work in our world. And that we have a part in that, right? We don't pray, we might not pray boldly for him to work. And we might not ask him how we can help. So, to talk to God as our king and ruler, we should praise God for who he is. List off his qualities and attributes. In this way, we give him the glory he deserves and we also remind ourselves of why he is worthy of our devotion and our praise. We can submit ourselves to him in prayer, acknowledging him as the authority and ruler of our life. And we can join him, we can join him in the ministry work that he's doing in this world. We can pray boldly that people will come to know him as their savior and king. And we can strategize with him about how we can be loving people and sharing his gospel. The next image we see in this passage um, is God as a provider and helper. It says, give us today our daily bread. And at the end, it says, lead us not into temptation. Because God gives us all that we need to walk in his will. Romans 8.32 Says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us his own son to bring us righteousness, won't he give us other stuff too that we need? Why wouldn't he? Um, and the danger in not seeing God as our provider and helper when we pray is that we can tend to rely on ourselves and assume that we don't need God or that he doesn't care to help. So, we don't ask him for help. Or, our prayers are without faith or trust that God will answer them. So, to talk to God as our provider and helper, we should ask him for what we need, trusting that he is our provider and our helper. And we should pray when we are in temptation, trusting that God will give us the strength to walk in his will. The next image we see is God as a teacher and as a guide. God is the source of what is true. He's the one who can teach us what is true and what is false. Isaiah forty-eight seventeen says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. And Romans 12.2 says, We are transformed by the renewing of our minds to know what his will is. So the danger in not seeing God as our teacher and guide in prayer is that our prayers could be reliant on our own understanding, thinking we know what's best, Um, and our prayers might be selfish and self-seeking focused on what we want, and not letting God guide us toward his will. So, to talk to God as a teacher and a guide, we can pray that the Lord would be teaching us and revealing his truth to us. Pray this before you read scripture, that he would be revealing his truth to you in his words. And talk things out with God. Bring him into your mental processing. Let him give you nudges and and guide you in in his understanding and his wisdom. And bring him into your decision-making. Let him be the guide and teacher of your life. Okay, the next image we see is as God, God as a savior. It says that, um, it says, forgive our debts and deliver us from the evil one. It's only through death and the, res- the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are able to seek forgiveness from God and that we're made right with him. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It says that in Ephesians. Um, we cannot forget that this is the focal point of our whole faith, and of our access to relationship with God. Um, In the Old Testament, there were, um, so after Adam and Eve um, and the fall, Adam and Eve had this relationship with God, right? They were able to walk with him in the garden and talk to him. Um, And then came the fall, where they rebelled against God. Humanity rebelled against God. And in that came this separation between us and God. Humanity could no longer have direct communication with God, right? Because we are separated by our sinfulness, and so God would choose these um, anointed people, these special people that would be His messengers that He would talk to. First was Abraham. Um, well, not first. First was Noah. First was Noah. Um, but Abraham, He made this covenant with Abraham, right? Um, and then Moses and, and all the prophets and priests of the Old Testament. God would use these people um, to speak to the people of God, to speak to Israel. He would speak to these people. Um, and in their temple, in the temple of the Israelites, they had what was called the Holy of Holies, this inner room where the presence of God could be with his people, but only in this room. And, and that room was separated from the rest of the temple by this veil. And only one priest could go in there one time a year into this holies of holies. No one else had access to God. No one could approach God in this way. But um, we see um, that when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn. God saving us, God reconciling us to God um, Jesus reconciling us to God tore that veil. He tore that separation between us and God and made a way for us to approach God. And so that's why it says in Hebrews ten twenty two, "Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water." Let us draw near to God with sincere heart and full assurance we have access to the God of the universe again through Christ. How cool is that? The, the people of the Old Testament couldn't interact with God in the same way that we can. They couldn't hear from him. They couldn't, um, unless they were anointed, unless he chose them, they couldn't interact with God in the same way. So let's use it. Why, why would we not interact with the God of the universe when we have access to him? So So if we don't see God as Savior when we're praying, um, I think there's a danger of forgetting the weight of Christ's salvation work in our life. We lose the compelling response of gratitude and devotion. When we stop thinking and considering what God has done for us, what Jesus did on the cross for us, then we lose this response of love and gratitude. Um, And then we start thinking it's, it's on our own, right? That, oh, I did that. Or, yeah, I don't really need God, right? We lose that gratitude. So, to talk to God as Savior, we should praise God for his mercy and love and thank him for his saving work on the cross for our life and for bringing us out of death and back into life. And we should think of things that define us before we were enslaved Um, and before we knew Jesus. So think of the person that you were before you knew Jesus, and think of who you are now. Think of what God has done in your life. Think of the freedoms that he's brought you. Um, Think of the goodness that he's brought into your life, um, and praise him for that. Thank him for that. Um, There's two other ways that that we can see God um, that aren't necessarily in this passage, but I thought were really important. Um, The first one was seeing God as a husband or spouse. This one's kind of difficult to identify with sometimes, especially for guys, right? Seeing God as your husband, it's a little weird, right? But um, in the New Testament church, um, Jesus is called the bride of Christ. No, the church is called the bride of Christ, sorry. Um, And the Old Testament often refers to a marital covenant between God and his people, it recounts Israel as this unfaithful bride, and God as a husband, jealous for his bride's love. As we come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are in a covenantal relationship with him, and, we, and he deserves all of our love and devotion. Now, it's an essential part of my relationship with my wife, Maggie, um, that I express my love and devotion to her, right? Right? Um, that expression assures her that I love her, assures her that I'm devoted to her. But not only that, it continually affirms within my own heart that, yeah, I love this girl. My love and devotion is for her and for her alone. And it's like that with God, too. As we affirm to him, I love you, God. You are the only one for me. You're the only God for me. It affirms that in our heart as we think of, why, why do I love this God? Why am I devoted to him? Um, there's a guy named Brother Lawrence um, that lived back in the day, like a while ago. Um, and he, he was known for his idea on prayer and, and his thoughts about um, life in prayer, life in relationship and communication with God. Um, and someone put together a bunch of his writings and his letters and things, um, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And the idea that he had um, was that every moment of every day, we should be in relationship, in communication with God. Let's get back to the the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God, where where they could just walk with him, stroll with him, and talk to him as they did that. And so... He, he devoted his life to to growing in relationship with God in a way that every moment of every day he was in communication with God, whether it's just a um, just thinking through whatever you think through through the, through the day, but inviting God to be a part of that inviting God into that um, and he says in in his the book that they put together for him um, that there their need that there needed neither art nor science for going to God, but only a heart resolutely de- determined to apply itself to nothing but Him or for His sake and to love Him only. I thought this was an awesome quote about devotion to God and about our approach to prayer with God. I'm going to read that again. That there needed neither art nor science for going to God, but only a heart resolutely determined to apply itself to nothing but him or for his sake and to love him only. So the danger in praying um, without seeing God as a husband or a spouse is that our prayer could lack the devotion and love for God that he deserves. It could lack the faithfulness to stay true to only God. We could start letting our devotion go towards other things. And so, to talk to God as a spouse, we can commit ourselves to Him daily in prayer. Praise and affirm Him in the qualities that you love about Him. Just as you would um, a husband or a wife, affirm those things that you love about them. And affirm your commitment to Him and to Him alone. And ask Him to reveal ways that your heart might be straying from him. Okay, so the last image that we have of God is as a friend. Now, God knows us intimately and deeply, and he cares for us. He can be our confidant and someone we share our concerns and deepest thoughts with, and he will comfort, encourage, and minister to us. It says in Philippians 2.2, 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And So Paul, in this passage, is basically saying, if you have felt any of those things from God, then act in those ways towards each other. Because God provides us with encouragement and comfort and love, tenderness, and compassion. He sits with us in our doubts, and he shares with us in our pains. But I think there's a danger in, in not seeing God as a friend, and that's that we can tend to talk to God as if he's a distant boss or overseer, kind of like what we talked about earlier, that he's always judging and disappointed in us, um, And then we aren't honest or vulnerable with him. If we see God as this distant judge, then we're not going to be honest and vulnerable with him in our deepest deepest thoughts and concerns. We might think that we need to be feeling a certain way or kind of get our stuff together before we can talk to God, right? So we avoid talking to him when we really need to the most. So to talk to God as a friend... We can share our thoughts and concerns with God, whatever they are, and rejoice with him in the good and confide in him in the bad, just as you would with any other friend. So, think back on your own prayer life. Take a couple minutes to do this. How is the way that you see God affecting the way that you talk to him? Which images of God come out the most? Which, image of, which images of God are you missing? Think through some of those things that, that we were just talking about. and how are, how are the, How's the way that you're seeing God affecting the way you talk to him? So we looked at Jesus' Jesus's example of how to talk to God. Um, but I want to give you a few more examples that I think can help as we're thinking about talking to God. Psalms has been one of the most comforting and helpful books for me when, I'm, when I've been learning how to talk to God. Because the Psalms are prayers to God, and some of them in the form of songs. So there's different types of song Psalms, and I think they show us how to talk to God in different circumstances. So the first type of psalm um, are praise psalms. That's pretty straightforward, right? Psalms that list off all of the quality, qualities of who God is and what he's done, and they glorify him for that. They basically say, God, you're great. That's what a praise psalm is. And you can find them, the, these numbers that are listed under all of them, you can find those. Some, these are some of those praise psalms that you can look at. Just a few of them, though. It would have taken a long time to write all of them down. Um, for some people, and, and maybe for some of you, praising, can, praising God can kind of be an awkward or an uncomfortable thing. Why does God need people to praise him and sing to him? Isn't that kind of narcissistic? Well, not really. Because if you think about it, um, the things that we praise God for are so true. God is the source of all goodness. And hope and love and life. He's the only one who truly deserves all of the praise and all of the glory. It isn't wrong to give credit where credit is due, right? And we seem to have no problem communicating our praise and glory to our favorite sports players or our favorite band. I think that most people who know me know that I love the Portland Timbers. That's right. Most of California doesn't agree with me. Um, I think they're great. Portland Timbers are my favorite soccer team, um, and if I I I will tell people that I'm not ashamed of that, right? And if I met a Timbers player, I would tell them to their face how great I think they are, how awesome of a player they are. Or think about this: when you see your friends do a great job at something, don't you tell them "Way to go!" or "You rock." Or, yeah, girl. <laughs> right? The difference, the only difference when we praise God is that he deserves it more than anyone. <laughs> so the next, the next psalm is Thanksgiving psalm. And this really models to us how to give thanks to God. Thanking him for all the great things he does in our world and in our individual lives. That was pretty straightforward, right? We thank God for what he's done, just like we would thank our friends for something they do to us, something we appreciate about them. We tell them how much we appreciate that. We thank them for that. Um, the next is a prayer psalms, and these really model how to make requests to God. We ask Him to intervene in our lives in the world around us um, and a lot of the psalms do this in both uh, individual way individual. Excuse me, individually written psalms, and then there's communal psalms where um, they're songs that are meant to speak these things to God in community. <clears throat> and the last psalm, and one that I've found particularly helpful, is the lament psalm. Now, lament psalms are songs of sorrow and sadness, both for community lamenting and for individuals. Um, And they basically say, God, this sucks. And I have found that so freeing that we can say that to God. God, this sucks. Um, These lament psalms taught me that I can be honest with God about what I'm feeling and thinking. Even when I'm mad or frustrated at God, um, or I don't feel close close to him, or I can't really understand or see his goodness at the time. Um, these psalms brought me particular comfort when I was an RA in college. Um, it was my third year um, at Western Washington University, and I was in my second year as an RA. Um, and one of the students that I had been interacting with and, and reaching out to um, ended up taking his own life, um, and it was it was such a blow, guys. It was out of nowhere, um, and it was so hard. It was so hard, um, and and I really struggled with, like, God, why, why would this happen? Why would this dude um, see such little value in his life, that, that he would take his own life? Um, and as I was dealing with the guilt of that, being his RA and... Um, thinking like, oh, I didn't reach out to him enough. I didn't, I didn't do this. I could have done that. Um, and the sorrow and the sadness of, of missing my friend, this guy that I'd gotten to know all year. I was angry, right? I was angry at God. Why would someone feel this way so much that they would take their own life? God, how could you let this happen? I was confused. Um, I, knew, I knew the goodness of God. And I, I, knew, I knew the promises he has for us. But I just didn't see it. I couldn't see it at that time. And the lament psalms were really, really encouraging for me. Um, because in lament psalms, these, these psalm writers basically saying, God, what the heck? What is going on? This sucks. Where are you? I don't see you. I can't hear you. You're so far from me. Where are you, God? And most of the Psalms come to a place of, um, where, where they express this lament and this sorrow, and, and they're just pouring their heart out. They're being real with where they're at where they're at, where their heart's at. Um, and then they often come to a place where, but I know these truths about you. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm experiencing. But I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. <laughs> but not all of them. Not all of them. Um, I think Psalm 88 is, is one that, um, that doesn't. It just has all this like, God, this sucks. What the heck? And then it doesn't, it doesn't go to that place. So that was encouraging too. That okay, I don't have to know that right now. I don't have to feel that right now. And and even in in the Psalms where they speak these truths, um, they share, pour their heart out, share, are honest with God with where they're at. Um, But then they speak these truths of. Um, but I know this to be true about you. I know your promise is this. Even in those, I don't think they were at that place yet, right? They were saying these things, but I think that in their hearts, they weren't necessarily in that place of believing that or accepting that or um, know, knowing in their hearts for that to be true, right? You can know something and proclaim it, but not feel it, right? Right? Emotions are, are real and raw and, and designed by God, um, but they aren't always true, are they? And so the Psalms are really encouraging to me in that way, that I, I was not alone in, in my sorrow. God was right there with me, right? I could pour my heart out to him and be in this place of, God, what the heck? I don't get this. Where are you in this? Um, but even though i didn't feel him i could know that he was with me in that i think it's just like any other good friend right when something tragic happens you want your friends around you you, you like want to be alone but you but you don't want to be alone you want someone to be there but you don't want to talk and and that friend that good friend just sits with you maybe he hugs you maybe arm on the shoulder they just sit with you in it. You don't have to say anything. They're just with you in it. And that's what I felt when, when during that time and, and praying out these psalms. I felt him just with me. He didn't, he didn't have to explain everything to me right then. I wanted him to. Um, but I didn't have to really know and get these answers from him in that moment. I pro- honestly, I probably wouldn't have been ready for it. When someone goes through something really tragic, um, I don't think the best response is to preach um, happy verses at them, right? Like, oh, but you know this about God, this is, this is, you got it, you should feel better because, because this, this thing, right? I don't think that's, I don't think God does that. Proclaims truths, but he sits there with us in it. He lets us be in a place of frustration and anger and um, confusion, right? Whew, I lost my place. <clears throat> so, God can be a friend to us in this way. Um, and, and I found that really comforting. And I think you should feel that feel really comforted by that too. Um, That you don't have to be um, put together and right before you come to God. Just share your heart with God wherever you're at. Um, And he's with you right there in it. He is a loving and comforting friend who we can be honest and genuine with how we're feeling. Um, And he says, come to me as you are. I love you so as i'm as I'm closing, um, I want to give you just mention to you i won't I won't go through them right now because uh, I think I'm running out of time, but um there's also some examples of prayer and and what that looks like in praying for other people um, in Paul's letters to the churches, um, and particularly um ephesians three sixteen through nineteen that's been a really important one for me. My dad, like, sent me this letter during camp one time when I was having a really rough week, um, praying this over me. Um, And it was so encouraging to to know that he was praying these things for me. Um, Praying scriptures is really powerful, right? So as as the worship team, you can start coming up. Um, But as we end, um, I want you to think back on those questions. How is the way you see God affecting the way that you talk to him? Which images of God come out the most in your prayer? Uh, Which images of God are you missing in your prayer life? Uh, What are some action steps that you will take this week to grow your prayer life? And then I want to challenge you. um, Pray scripture. Uh, Pray Matthew 6, the um, prayer that, that Jesus gave us an example of pray us psalms um, praise God, thank God um, be real with God in the what the heck um, and uh, pray one of Paul's prayers so Ephesians 3 there's some in Ephesians 1 Philippians 1, Colossians 1 they're great examples of, of a prayerful heart for people um, and then some last just just helpful tips, I think, about prayer. <coughs> just start talking to God. You don't have to be formal about it. You don't have to do it a certain way. Just start talking to, to God. He loves you, and he wants to grow in relationship with you. You can do it anywhere. Um, you can pray with others. Um, my buddy Sims has been trying to do a 20-minute, like, read the Bible and pray every day. Um, I think that's happening at 1230 in the Cirque every day. So if you, if you want, need people to do that with, um, you can join him or grab a person in your core, your core leader. If you need to like, figure out how, how do I do this prayer thing and you need someone to help you out, grab someone to do that with you. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, thank you that you are a social and communicating God. Thanks that you designed us to be that way too um, and that you desire to be in relationship with us. Lord, and Jesus made a way for us to approach your throne that we can have access to you. Lord, we, we, we can have that same kind of access that Adam and Eve had when they were walking in the garden just chatting with you. Lord, thanks that we can approach you in that way. Lord, would you be giving us a more full and mature prayer life? Would we be praying in a way that um, thinks of you in, in all the ways that you are, all the ways that you relate to us? Would we have those in our mind as we're praying with with you and talking to you? So would you just be growing that in us, Lord? I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.